Welcome back, everybody. I'm Deb. I'm Maria. And welcome our lovely guest, the Mrs. Diaz, Emily Diaz. Hello. Emily is joining us from Texas. She uh, drove all the way here to New York. <laughs> Actually, we flew her out on right. a private jet. We had and it was fabulous. It was just <laughs> fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We're putting it out there for 2019. Right. You know, Amy Schumer has a private jet. Right. And SLP's wine and cheese yeah. will have a private jet. That's good. Yes. It's a thing now. Now yeah. it's happening. I did talk to my friend recently, and she said when she's running late to go to the airport, she takes a helicopter from 33rd Street, and it takes five minutes to get to the airport. Okay. Yeah. Okay. She makes sure it's already chartered. Because if okay. it's already chartered, it's only two hundred and fifty dollars. Oh my! I know. Imagine you. <laughs> you're like, oh, it, my life will be easier if I just give somebody else two hundred and fifty dollars. That's oh, usually my. how it works. Like you give people money and they make your life easier. Right. right. That's why we just all need more money. <laughs> yes. Or appreciate what you have already. No. No. Well, you know what I appreciate? This wine. Oh, so it's you should, nice Cheers. Cheers. You should tell us about I it. I will. So okay. we are drinking. A, I have to turn. So I'm going to try to say a very Italian. A Gionelli. A Pino Grigio. Right? <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> Thank you. It's a white wine. It's Okay. Uh, it's a white wine, and we paired it with a mozzarella cheese. Mm -hmm. I feel like we need some, like, it's a pie, pizza pie. <laughs> like, we need like, <laughs> Or something. Yeah, I feel like you know. So <laughs> now I, we're all dancing. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I, it's a little bit too acidic for me. The label said it's not, but I feel like that's oh, they a lie. That's a lie. Um, I think it's a little acidic, more than I prefer, but not too much. So I mean, paired with the mozzarella because of the acidity and the mozzarella cheese, it's like smooth but a little acidic. It tones mm -hmm. it down. So. I got into like yeah. a cheese fight with people this week. Yes. They were saying how like mozzarella has no flavor. Oh. And I was like, well, maybe it's there to highlight the other flavors. Right. What flavor it's, do you want? Exactly. It, it definitely tones it down. So I like this pairing. Like the cheese helps the wine taste. Yeah, it's like a supporter. Like it's yeah. there. It has a role, but it lays back. It lets the wine do its job. Right. Is that like a para? Yes. Yes. Spot on. It's like it's AAC device almost. Right. Okay. It's there to support and enhance what's already there. <laughs> so we'll Good talk about segue. that. Good segue. But drink it or sink it? Oh, I vote drink it. Yeah. It's it's pretty easy peasy, uh, whiny squeezy for me. So. <laughs> I say drink it too. Emily is drinking. You could tell us what you're drinking. <laughs> I'm drinking water because I don't want to mix wine with my cold drugs right now. Mm -hmm. That is the smart choice. Yeah, you'd get a really fun Emily if that was happening. Oh, well then pour a glass. <laughs> <laughs> I would not be held responsible for what was said during that podcast episode. <laughs> oh, I'm never responsible for anything I say. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, I, don't talk to me about something I don't remember. Right. Yeah. It didn't happen. <laughs> All right. So we want to segue a little bit more about Emily, mm -hmm. less about us and our drinking and our eating habits. Right. And more about Emily. That's right. So Tell us a little bit about yourself, Emily, and you know how you got into the field. Well, how about I, I do okay. a little blurb about okay. Emily. You're going to do the blurb. And then, and then Emily can say okay. whether or not I'm right. Oh, I like that. So Emily is a school-based SLP with a special interest in AAC. She is passionate about using literacy activities and books during her speech therapy sessions. She is an independent consultant for Usborn Books, which can be accessed through her Instagram account. Is it Usborn? Do I say it right? Yeah, that's how you say it. Okay, good. So um, how long have you been an SLP? This is my fourth year, so we just finished a semester, so I guess three and a half years to be totally exact. Oh, very nice. <laughs> and um, so what made you get into the field? Well, I have a younger brother. He is seven years younger than I am, so growing up, he had a lot of just general developmental delays, and so I got to witness a lot of his different therapies and progress with him. 
and it was just that really super involved sibling, which we always love to see. Um, and I, I just kind of grew my passion from there. I think from the get-go, I wanted to be a special ed teacher, and then I kind of refined my focus over the years, and I wound up having a friend in high school whose mom was an SLP and talked to her a lot, and in high school decided, yeah, I think that's what I want to do. And so I've, I've kind of always known, you know, I've always been around it and in that sector of, you know, the special needs population. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that's kind of how it all started. And do you ever look back and think, oh, I should have went the special ed teacher route or you, you were like, I found my path. No, this is totally meant for me and I'm where I'm supposed to be. Here's to that. Yeah. yeah it's beautiful. <laughs> so yeah that's lovely so like I said you're in the school system you're in schools and you are in Texas yes can you give us a little bit of an idea of what your daily life is like my life as an SLP like taping your feet because you're traveling say that again you're always like walking from I know yeah that's my thing like switching campuses all day long yeah so I'm school-based um but I kind of have a non-traditional role um I'm split between three campuses um and one of those campuses is actually community-based so it could be at four or five other sites on any given day depending on where they are that's our uh 18 plus vocational program so they go to job sites and things like that um one of my other campuses is a high school campus, which is mostly um, self-contained classrooms. Um, and then my third campus is interesting. It's unique. It's a residential treatment center um, that falls within like the boundaries of our district. So we serve the kids who are school age um, there. They have a classroom on their like residential campus and we staff it um, with our district. So we go out there to serve those students. These are all walking distance? No, I walk to my car. Oh. Yeah. That would be really cool if they were all walking distance. Right. Like I, I like pictured you on some college campus. That would be fun. Like I'd be really in shape too, if I could just walk. And you could, I was going to recommend that you pick up skateboarding. So I, I, right. That would have been a good suggestion. No, I walk to my car a lot and they're doing construction in our staff parking lot right now. So I walk really far to my car and I'm like, let me just, you know, take a quick boomerang of my feet. Yeah. You know what I'm doing. (laughs) It just became a thing. Right. Stalker much? Say that again. <laughs> you had you had sandals on today, right? Yeah, it's like unusually warm in Texas today. Really on there. Maria's um, trying to say I'm your stalker. Yes, I mean I'm I'm I do stalk her, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like in the seventies right now, which is yucky. Oh gosh, what because. is typical of January in Texas? Like 50, 60, wow. which is still pretty warm, nice. but not sandal and flip flop weather. We can't even complain about the weather here. There's no snow. Usually there's I was snow. just up there. I was in New Jersey last week and it was oh, not yeah. that cold. It was a little disappointing. It was good. I would I hope for snow every time I visit, but actually the last time I saw snow was here in Texas. It like spontaneously snowed last year, but Right. Yeah. So we're going to yes. play a game now. Yes. Um, I don't know what this game is. Yes. Maria made it up. I made it up. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's called This or That. And, uh, you know, you just quickly answer. You know, don't put too much thought into it. And just a okay. for the listeners to get to know you. Um, they're not speech-related questions. So okay. get to know the real Miss Emily Diaz. Let's All do right. it. Ready? Yeah, so there's 20 questions. We're going to go through them quickly. All right, so all black outfit or colorful? Totally black. Okay, car or truck? Car. Take a flight or take a train? Ooh, a train. Okay, swim in the ocean or in the pool? Oh, definitely the pool. Okay, coffee or brunch with friends? Ooh, brunch, yeah, food. Passenger or driver? Driver. Dark coffee or light coffee? Light coffee. Tim Hortons or Dunkin' Donuts? Oh, Dunkin' Donuts all the way. Okay. Ebook or regular book? 
regular book. Steven Spielberg or Stephen King? Stephen King. Okay. Kindle or iPad? iPad. Shakespeare or Bronte Tales? Shakespeare. Hmm. Scary movie or comedy? Comedy. Sushi or Italian? Oh, that's a hard one. Yes. Oh, Italian. Okay. FaceTime or text? Text. Fear of spiders or fear of heights? Heights. Okay. Organized mess or neat and organized? Organized mess. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Make a craft or buy it online? Oh, I always say I'm going to do it myself, but eh, buy it online. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix or Hulu? Oh, Hulu. All right. Last one. Most likely to be bored or most likely to be too busy? Too busy. Okay. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I know she's a coffee connoisseur, I guess. So I had, I had a lot of questions. I got the, that Shakespeare book from Us Born, and I haven't used it yet, but I oh. do intend to read it. Where is it? It's okay. like a big fat book over there. That's um, not. No. Oh, yes, it is. No, this is a different. These are. Well, I have a ton of Usborne books, books because I always go to Emily's parties and get books. That's the Shakespeare book. <laughs> Do you have this book? We'll I don't, and I've never seen inside of it either. Oh, I started going through it, and I'm I'm quite pleased with it. Um, but I haven't spent as much time on it as I'd like to. Well, you have to let me know what you think of it. <clears throat> I, I definitely will. So before that, I would like to know, <coughs> you work a lot with um, all different AAC devices from high tech to low tech, right? Yes. So I was wondering um, if you can explain like maybe three different types of devices and then tell us why different kids need different devices or boards. Good questions. Yeah, that is a good question. So I picked three kind of on this range of light tech to high tech. Um, and I'll preface it with no one device is, you know, better than the next as in, you know, I think a lot of parents think like, Oh, I need an iPad for my kid. And that's the best thing there is because it's an iPad. It's not paper, but that's not always the case. Like each <clears throat> system has something for each student and you really should be considering it on a student by student basis. So the first system that um, I would talk about is a core board. And I think most people have heard of that before. Um, they come in all different shapes and sizes and colors and yes. they all kind of look similar, but they all look a little different. That's what you use <coughs> of our sing-along, right? Yes, that's what I was using. The one that I use is 160 locations. So there's 160 core words on there, plus the alphabet and um, what else is on the back? Weather and uh, days of the week, stuff like that. But um, I don't know if you guys have heard of Project Core before. They do a lot of work and research on um, a universal core system. So I get a lot of my research and statistics and ideas from what they put out. And so their numbers um, recommend a minimum of 36 words on a core board. And obviously that's not going to fit every student and the students that we would maybe lessen that for are students with access issues or visual impairments. Um, but usually 36 is the recommended starting point. Now I like 36. Okay. Yeah. It seems like a random number, but they have research on that and they did research on specifically which 36 words to include. It's not just, you know, any 36 words. <clears throat> but I've given teachers core boards with that range of words on them, um, mostly because when they start off on an iPad or a bigger display, they get really overwhelmed and they're like, I can't find anything. I'm never going to use this. My kids will never learn it. Right. So I'm like, all right, fine. Try this. Just, you know, I, I believe in building rapport with people. So I'm not going to push something if there's no buy-in for it. As soon as I put in something with less words on it, three weeks later, they're like, I need more words. I can't say everything I want to say. And I'm like, oh, you get it now. Let's go back to the 160 location. <laughs> so that's what, you know, my staff really enjoy using. And I think it comes down to 
being comfortable and trained on it. Um, but Project Core is a good resource for learning about universal core vocabulary and that type of approach. So that's the first system. Um, a second kind of system on the opposite end of that spectrum, on the high-tech end, um, an app like TouchChat or Perlico to Go or Lampboards for Life, those are all popular apps that I think um, are out there. And some of those also have designated devices through the companies that can be purchased or funded through Medicaid. Um, but those are robust speech generating dynamic display devices that your students are starting to pair two to three words. They need phrases. They need some pre-programmed messages, but they're using grammatical morphemes. There's a lot more to expand on there than just these core words that, that really are just meant to be used in by themselves most of the times. Like they're single words that have meaning all the time. Okay. Um, but when they're growing their language more is when you might consider this higher tech system. Um, it's also more portable and it's totally normal to be seen walking around with an iPad versus just like a piece of paper, but you know, what, whatever works for your student. And then the third system that kind of falls in the middle there, I don't know if you guys have heard of POD before, um, but it stands for Pragmatic Organizational Dynamic Display. And it's a dynamic display, but it's paper-based. It's super thick. It's like this thick when you put it together. Um, but it has this whole like pragmatic scripting that goes along with it mm -hmm. and you can use direct select with it or um, partner assisted auditory scanning for learners with access issues. Um, but it's a robust paper-based system to give students access to that full depth and breadth of language, but uh, not on a high-tech system. Sometimes there's, you know, limitations with children throwing devices or you know their iPad they just play games on and they can't learn to separate that this is my talker or things like that so pod um, is another system that I use a lot with my students so I think those three are probably the three that are most commonly used in my district um, and that I've seen kind of out and about do you have a favorite you know, I try to stay away from picking which system is my favorite and try to keep it student-based. Mm -hmm. And I try to teach my teachers to do the same thing because, you know, my teachers will get into, oh, I really like touch chat. And this kid came up with Proloquo to go and then like they don't want to use it. And they're like, I want to use this. Um, but yeah, I, I probably do have apps that I tend to trial first before I trial other apps, um, touch chat. Words um, and Lamp Words for Life are probably my two um, go-tos, and those are two very different apps. So, yeah, try to stay away from it, but you know, we all have biases. Yeah, you know what? There's I, people try to deny favoritism all the time, and I'm like, you're lying to me and yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but I I have a lot of students with devices too, and I try to give trial different ones. Yeah. But, I mean, I also, I work with Department of Education, so there's a team, too, and they trial different ones, and uh, when they come, or if I'm doing the eval, just, I'll try not to be biased. Yeah. Oh, but I like this one, I'm more right. experienced with this one, but you do have to give the other ones a chance, because I didn't even know about Touch Chat until, like, last year, and I was more impartial to LAMP, and now I like Touch yeah. Chat, so you never... Yeah. So give them both, give them a chance. Yeah, and it's important to continue your own education and making sure that you're learning what systems are out there and what, you know, the differences are between them. They talk about that um, pairing students with, you know, specific feature matching on devices and things like that. Um, but I think it's interesting that you ask if I have a preference or a favorite or, you know, something I tend to go toward because I've heard two really different fields of thought on this like some districts have one app that they push out to every student and it's easier to train staff on one app they're all going to use it they're all going to buy in they can support each other we're going to make resources that all go with this one app but are we really being you know individualized for our students when we do that are we being biased or is it easier to just buy licenses in bulk for the district you know from a funding standpoint right um but it also works really well as a tier one level of support. Like, okay, anybody with a communication concern, you know, beyond verbalizations is going to get 
let's say Pearl of Quotigo to start with, and then we'll individualize out from there. Um, but then there's other people that are like, no, you must complete a thorough AAC evaluation, a trial with two to three different devices. You must show this, this, this. So I've heard both of them in my district. We use the core boards as our tier one level of support. So it's relatively low risk. It's paper-based, you know, everyone's trained on that, um, low cost. And then from there, we kind of pair out which students need more or trial evaluation, stuff like that. So the goal is primarily to phase out the paper-based um, device or board, right? You want to start there, but then eventually you want that individual to progress as much as they can towards something that can get them to expand on the length and complexity of their utterances. Yes, and not just because the iPad's, you know, better or higher tech, but because, like I said, usually when you wind up on a dynamic display device, you're, you're pairing words and you're starting to touch on grammatical morphemes and you're asking questions. And those paper-based systems don't allow for a lot of language expansion and growth. You're usually modeling one to two words at a time. Mm -hmm. And how do you find the transition to be between the core boards and the uh, technology? Do you find like that the individual is able to transition rather easily or do you think that like it's more difficult because it's two different types of platforms? Well, most of the AAC systems are organized in a very similar way. Um, in the AAC world, you'll hear people talk about like the Fitzgerald key or a modified Fitzgerald key. And those are kind of that color coding system that you see a lot of times, or you'll notice that your pronouns are always going to be in your top left-hand corner on like 90% of systems. Lamp words for life is the only one that kind of trips people up. I think the home screen with, you know, where it's core based starts off, you're like, oh, this looks real familiar. But then you get into this like whole semantic compaction thing where you're like, ah, why does the apple mean eat? But it also means things that have nothing to do with an apple in my brain. Right. Um, so that one's a little bit more of a learning curve, especially if you're transitioning from a core board. If you know that a student's going to probably be trialing LAMP, then you might want to print out like the paper-based copy of the home screen. That's a good way to kind of transition into it. Um, but sometimes you don't know, you know? Right. Google Images. got to start somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Google Images for that. <laughs> Okay, so we're almost at our halfway point. Yeah, so how almost. about we go now? <coughs> because do I don't want to okay. get into our next part without it. Okay, our halfway point, we just uh, do some housekeeping. So uh, fill us with us on iTunes, rate, comment, review us. Uh, follow us on Instagram, SLPs, wine and cheese pod, underscore between each word. Deb and I are tagged. Deb and I are tagged in those pictures. So I Right, yeah, you can find us. Yes. Um, and then our Patreon. Patreon. So check out our Patreon after this episode. Um, Emily's going to do a bonus episode with us for the Patreon on uh, marriage, motherhood, and faith. So you'll definitely want to hear all about that. I can't wait. And Emily, tell us where, tell the listeners where to find you on Instagram and social media and your you're yeah, so on Instagram, you can find me. I'm the Mrs. Diaz. And then on Facebook, you can probably most easily find me through my group. It's called Emily's Kid Book Club. And that's where I talk the most about how I use books at home with my toddler, how I use books at school with therapy and provide literacy and language tips there. Oh, Wonderful. Yes. Great. And I belong to that group and um, I always go to all of her book parties and I posted a few and I get so, just by hosting, I get so many books for free. I end up, I mean, like the most I think I've ever paid you is like $17. I feel. Yeah. It's like a ridiculous thing. I didn't think it was real the first time I did it, but right, every yeah. time it's like, Oh my God, I get these for free. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know what month it was last year that we did it, but then I feel oh, like all of my speech therapy from maybe like March, April, May, and June all came from some sort of book that I got from us for. That's awesome. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, so it's really an excellent tool. Good. Are we done plugging? Uh, oh, yeah. t-shirts. Let yeah, us know if you want t-shirts. Um, yes. We have a whole box of t-shirts here. Okay. Um, okay, so now what I'm wondering is, so you already touched upon this, how you enjoy using books in conjunction with AAC. <coughs> um, can you tell us a little bit about how you do that? 
Yeah. So the easiest way, because I'm all about easy, no prep, like I'm not even a low prep person. Like I'm a no prep. I like grab an iPad and a book and I show up in a classroom. Um, For the record, all of my caseload I push in for. So I just kind of fly by the seat of my pants and you know what the teachers are doing on any given day you know we have a little bit of structure to what we do but you know our kids are really unpredictable so our plans have to be a little unpredictable too and all the prepping for you so it's not like you didn't prep yes exactly uh so shared reading is probably the easiest way to incorporate aac and literacy um, with your students because core words make up like 80% of what we say, even verbally, not just for AAC users, like for everybody, um, they're going to wind up in the books like a lot. And so you're always going to have stuff to model. Um, The only way that I plan and structure therapy for some of my kids is doing a core word of the week. And so I make sure that I'm on the same page with the teacher. Um, We pick out our core words for the month and then we'll focus all of our instruction on that one word. So this week we're doing in and out. So we paired those together because they make sense together. Um, So we'll do our shared reading activity. We do a shared predictable chart writing activities with them. We try to incorporate art and music and movement and all those fun kinds of things too. And in math, even, you know, you're sorting and counting. Um, You could put things in and you could take things out. Um, But really that shared reading and just modeling on your students devices there's some really great resources out there that you can use to adapt your books like I know a lot of SLPs put a lot of energy into designing materials to adapt your books um, printouts or like little inserts that you can use um, and those are fantastic but like I said like I'm totally no prep and I download things all the time I support these people and I never get to put them together um, and then I just get frustrated and I'm like you know what I can I can just do this and I mean you're great if you use the resources and you're great if you don't but I always tell everyone works. like there is no amount of resources that you can have that's going to make you better at your job like exactly your voice and your body language yep your whole job and like other things can supplement that but there's nothing that can replace that right yep that's so right i think that's a good one and like, is patience a part of personality kind of <clears throat> i like to put it i think in so our category okay <laughs> sometimes you need to a little extra of it a little yeah, extra not patience. even be ingrained in your personality right <laughs> you need like external patients yes. you need to reach into your patient's jar yes. yeah a patient's jar that's yes. <laughs> what's filled what is a patient's jar filled with chocolate chocolate or like i don't know uh, your watch, like 20 minutes of this, uh, and I just got to take some deep breaths. So, you know, <laughs> your own little reinforcement system. Now good. I just felt like some days you, we have some days like that. So uh-huh. that's all. Yeah, of course. Not saying every day, just some days. Some days. <laughs> um, okay. So are there, I have a couple different categories here, yes. such as EI, pre-K, elementary, middle, adolescents. And I'm wondering if there are some book titles that you could suggest for each of these age groups or yes. the functioning, yes. however you would like to. Absolutely. I picked a few for each category, um, but that doesn't mean they're exclusive to the category. I use books from like the EI pre-K category all the time and I work with high schoolers. So it, you can totally adapt these to um, work with whatever age your students are, as long as you're, you know, you're being appropriate and respectful to your students. So, um, I don't know if you guys have show notes that you can include these in, or maybe people just want to jot these down, but. Well, um, we will create show notes. Maybe you could take a picture of your paper. We will put that in show notes. Yes. Or forward us if you haven't, like you typed it. No, she wrote it. No, I definitely did not type this. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. So I'll, I'll tell you what they are now. And then if you get a chance to look at the show notes, you can uh, read those again. So for, um, our, our itty bitties, the EI friends, my favorite books are called all better and little bear needs glasses. Do you have those ones? I have all better. I don't have the glasses one. 
Yeah. So the glasses one is the same concept. Both of these books have like these repositionable stickers. And so it's a really interactive book that the kids can get hands on with because the little ones don't want to just sit there and listen to a book, you know, that you're reading. They really want to get their hands on it. And that's a fun way to incorporate them. Um, and of course, having them turn the pages, they have thicker pages that don't rip as easily or at all. Um, and then the other book I like for that age group are the very first noisy books. You probably don't have any of those because do you have any of these? I, I have, I have the, no, I have this book right here that's handy, but this is not, oh the, yeah, I like this, this is, book. I use this, this it's, um, who's up in the air. Is that yeah, one? that's a good who question book. The very first noisy books have the little buttons on the side. Um, and I like them because they're essentially wordless. Uh, they have like little animal sounds or whatever the theme of the book is. Like the train one probably has train sounds in it. Um, but it's really open-ended to just talk about the pictures and incorporate kind of the sounds, the cause and effect um, of the buttons are good for that age group. Uh, for pre-K, I like the 1001 Things to Spot books and the big books because there's so many of them that you can kind of pick and choose um, a theme based on what their interests are. I think you really need a lot of buy-in from the preschool kids to sit with you and have something like, you have to be on all the time with preschool. I like kids. this phrase, buy-in. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a big phrase. Like getting people on your side. Yeah. Yeah, that's part of who I am as a person. Like I'm such a people pleaser <laughs> that it just like bleeds into my work that I, it's important to me that both my students and the staff that I work with agree with what I'm doing and are happy with what I'm doing to support them. So yeah, buy-in and building rapport are important to me. Well, I think it makes you a team player. You know, I, I, like I that. feel like people pleaser has like the negative connotation. Yeah. You're a team player. You want to make team sure player. what you're doing is going to carry over into the classroom and at home because. Yeah, that's a huge part of it. The of AAC and communication, it doesn't happen in a bubble. Exactly. That's why I push into all my students. I, I need it to carry over and generalize more than anything. Wow. Look at you. <laughs> um, so for our elementary readers, phonics readers, do you have any of those, Deb? The little phonics reader books? Yeah, I have. I know. <coughs> Is the Wizard of Oz one? Yeah, so five. I like yeah. them. Yeah, so have a lot of. There, Lost His Tail. Yeah, the phonics yeah. ones and the early readers. Um, the elementary kids love the picture books. So my favorite picture books from Usborne are called Boy, Lemur Dreamer, A Tale of Two Beasts, Nibbles, and Dragon Post. Those are probably my top five. I love and the then, two Yeah, that one's great for like perspective taking. Perspective. Yeah, like yeah. Can I ever show you that book? No, but I want some Osborne books now. Uh, yeah. You gotta do a party with I, Emily. I will. Just, Let's party. Yeah, and she like, yeah, you, you tell her, you tell her like, what groups you have and she recommends. Oh. Like the first book I ever got was the Shine a Light Train book, which was Yeah, those book. are fun. But I feel like of all the books that you've I've gotten from you, Hello Happy and No Worries and yes. and the Creative Writers. Hand Those are some of the ones I was going to recommend for like middle yeah. high school age. The No Worries, Hello Happy. There's a new one called Be Brave. Oh, I need um, And then there's one called Bully on the Bus. I feel like you would really like. It's like uh, chapter book style, but written in prose. So it's really okay. cool to kind of dissect it. And it's a pressing issue for our, you know, preteens about bullying. Yeah, so that one's always sounds important. Like a good middle school book. Yes, it definitely is. So do you just to interject in here so I can be <coughs> cool kids oh, book club? Do you <laughs> because since we're on the topic of books, so if you can give us like an example of how you would use uh, like a core board with these books or um, yeah, like the dynamics. So like for instance, I don't know that bully on the bus book would you use like I don't know what would you use I'm thinking something it might be different from what you do so. yeah so like for example the all better book like is a it's a fun interactive book I like to give my kids something to do hands-on so and that one I kind of have memorized right now so it's a story about a bunch of animals that are very clumsy and <laughs> they all get hurt throughout the book and you have to put this band-aid on their boo-boo. And so I like that the text is repetitive and predictable because that's something that um, is important for AAC users. We need those modeling opportunities to be really high. Um, so 
like the first page says dog went out for a walk and he didn't look where he was going oh no he fell down clean it kiss it put a bandage on it so on is a core word and so if that was our core word of the week i'd give them a band-aid i'd model again on the core board say on you're gonna put the bandage on the dog and so there you already have three repetitions of the word on yeah. And would you require that the child also touch on or you're just modeling it and they're following through? Yeah, you don't want to require, you only want to inspire. So I never make them touch anything. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's great. That's, yeah, I feel like um, that was a struggle that I had. Like sometimes um, using hand over hand can be awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Sometimes there's more modeling and prompting than other times, but I never force a kid to touch it before we move on. Like I'll never say, put the bandage on the dog, touch it. Here it is. Come on, you can right. do it. Put your finger yeah. right here and then do it for them. Like I, I don't ever do that. Good. Yeah. I like that approach best. Sounds very like your approach is more like naturalistic and you're trying to. Yes. That's how you're combining the You're two. inviting. She's in Yes. I had a friend inviting. like, I invite you not to do that. <laughs> I love that. I know. <laughs> I forgot I wanted to use that more. In it my sounds mind. so like positive and inviting. And then you're like, oh, you don't want yeah. to do that. <laughs> That's great. I'm going to use that tomorrow. <laughs> So do you usually base the books and the, and the symbols around the core word? Yeah. So I know a lot of SLPs like to do like themed therapy and like January is a big month for snow and winter and snowmen and stuff like that. Uh, it's a little bit harder to find resources, like I said, especially for this type of population. Um, anyone working with like middle school, high school or complex needs, there's not as much resources out there. Um, and I'm such a no prep person anyway. So I just pick that word and like whatever fits with it, the whole week might, you know, look like different things. Like we might be talking about pizza on Monday. We might be doing predictable chart writing about something that has nothing to do with pizza, but it all incorporates that core word. And so right. that's my focus is making sure those model opportunities are high. Well, you're showing how that core word can be applied to different things. Yes. So that's, that's excellent. Yeah. Great. So we were thinking yes. we wanted to remove some AAC myths. Is there like one thing or you could share with us that like you hear so much that like kind of <laughs> makes you cringe? Yeah, there's three of them. Oh, uh, <laughs> so the first one that I hear a lot is that using AAC will inhibit speech production. Right. Um, and research has totally busted that myth over and over again. It actually, when provided simultaneously, improves speech production. So very rarely are we sitting there with a core board or an iPad mute and like just touching stuff like you heard me modeling right now how I would use that book mm -hmm. so you're always pairing speech with what you're modeling on aided language system so yeah that myth is busted it does not inhibit speech production okay right. busted the second one is that some kids aren't ready or they're too young to start AAC. And so research has also shown that there's not an age that's too young to start AAC. And this kind of bleeds into the third one that um, the myth is that you must show prerequisite skills before you're ready. So being, you know, the kid's not ready or they haven't met, you know, this pre-communicative skill before we can start them on AAC. Mm -hmm. um, and so a big phrase in the AAC space is presumed competence. Mm -hmm. um, there is a little bit of a, what's the word I want to use? I have to be careful with the word I use here. There was an article in one of our most recent ASHA leaders that talked about presuming competence and cautions that you want to take with doing that mm -hmm. um, and all I want to say is that presuming competence doesn't mean that you give the kid the latest greatest highest tech thing and think oh this is gonna go great you know you right. still have to feature match you still have to evaluate the kid but you always should presume competence and believe in your students but you can't remove the other part before you do that right right that's an excellent I point. feel like all of those are fear-based like we were talking totally. about in other episodes for other subjects. It's just like, I feel like all of those myths stem from somebody who's like, I'm afraid to do this because I'm not yeah. quite sure I know how, and I'm going to come up with an excuse as to not. Yeah. Yeah. And even now, 
almost four years into this, you know, I've, I've been with the same caseload for four years, essentially the same population of students. There's still times that I'm like, I don't feel like I know what I'm doing, or I don't have enough research on this, or I haven't learned enough about this, or am I sure that this is the right way to do this? Am I sure that this is the right app I want to try? Um, but you should never let that fear stop you from trying. And you always have to do best by the student. So you can't let your fears hold you back. You can't let your biases make your decisions for you. That all goes hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Be brave like that. Yeah, be brave. Be brave. Courage is my favorite word. That's why I was so into the be brave book, um, the be brave book that you said. Yeah. Being brave. We right. wanted to talk about how you are brave and how you're an advocate. So if you could tell us about that different, um, if you're in like passionate about that she wants to share and now is your time, you know, yeah. to shine. If you're in any like Facebook SLP group, if somebody says something, Emily is always right there. <laughs> and she's like, Excuse me. <laughs> what are these? Right? Oh my gosh. I talk too much guys. I talk too no, much. No, I love it. I called you a shark. We didn't write yes. that down, but I wanted to be that. I was like, <laughs> SLP shark. That's what she, she told me. I was yeah. like, all right, should I be afraid? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to do not the right thing. You should. <laughs> no, I'm really big on advocacy, you know, for a profession. Um, I think the things that I comment on the most are like caseload management type stuff or when people are being micromanaged or when people are arguing about pay, like those things drive me crazy. So some of the things that I've advocated for, you know, in my own um, job um, are an appropriate workspace. And I think a lot of people talk about that a lot. Like, I think, was it you, Deb, that posted no more speech in the hallway today? No, yeah, I want hashtag no more speech yeah. in the hallway. Yeah, no speeching in the hallway. No, that's perfect. I just have all these desperate people messaging me all the time, and I'm like, you need to tell them that you will leave. They need to be out of compliance yeah. if you're not there. Yeah. And if if, if people continuously accept these things, then you're yeah. just going to perpetuate the cycle of unfairness. And wow. people complain all the time, like, what does Asha do for us? Asha needs to fix my workplace for me. Asha has a ton of position statements out there that you can use and take to your administration right. that yes. you can use to advocate for yourself. Like, Asha's not going to come show up at your campus and do it for you. Right. Yeah. So and everyone out there, I like it. <laughs> yeah. So I started off in a closet and then I moved to a bigger closet. Right. And then for two glorious months, I had an office with a window and then I got kicked out of it. Oh, but no. I'm in a good space now. And it took me, you know, a little bit of advocating for it, but I think it's important. I wouldn't be terribly, terribly mad about a closet because there, that does imply a door and it must be big enough for you to sit yeah. with somebody else. Um, it's not my favorite of spaces, but then also like you can't, you know, beggars can't be choosers and schools only have what is allotted to them. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah. so I don't hate the closet, but you know, just snoop around that. It's school. an upgrade from the hallway though. Hallway is so, unacceptable. So if yeah. you're just reading in the hallway, you could say, you got at least a closet for me. <laughs> I, I mean, that's a FERPA violation. We can't be doing therapy in the hallway, people. I'd be like, you better get me a really cool tent if you think <laughs> I'm going to do it all. camping. Yeah. Huge camp. Welcome to speech camp. This camp whole year yeah <laughs> oh that's funny oh i want a princess tent i want like a castle yeah. tent Ooh, yeah there you go oh i like it first we start with the castle tent then we get a private jet <laughs> then we get a closet then oh, we get uh, a jet <laughs> i don't know <laughs> just saying and i feel like i have to speak about the obvious too emily is sitting in a closet recording i am with the irony <laughs> That's a, that's a full closet. Yeah. That's not a Brooklyn cop closet. That's no, a Texas this is, closet. That's this is Texas closet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's funny. our office. That's that we are in. <laughs> <very funny. laughs> anyway, so the, uh, the last thing, uh, advocating for devices and services. So like, um, I remember on a prior episode I was talking about, um, I saw a high school student that was four times 40. Um, uh -huh. he was like a typically developing individual and that was like, um, that was more about a, um, a family 
advocating type situation. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you, and Emily reached out. She was like, what about inclusion criteria? Um, uh, so, so yeah. So talk a little bit about advocating services and devices and then we'll go to our. Yeah. Final. So, you know, we all know we all need to advocate for the least restrictive environment for our students in the schools. So first and foremost, that's what you're thinking of, but I think we get caught up on parents trying to advocate for, for services for some kids. But a lot of times at the high school level, we need to be advocating for like discontinuing services sometimes. Like it, we're not lifers. Like you don't get a speech impairment label and like until you graduate, you're locked into speech therapy. Right. And I know different states have different criteria and Texas has wonderful eligibility criteria. Um, and right. it's so important to follow um, and make sure that you're advocating to do right by the student. And sometimes doing right by the student is not speech therapy and we right. have to be okay with that. Yeah, that's how I, I kind of like, um, I was, I was, I as you know, going back to that people pleaser thing, I was like, whatever, line them yeah, up, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> well, it's, you know, less is more, is a nice little, like, quote you could insert in there, yeah, know, my, and, and also, so for me, that would be less arguing is more beneficial to me, so if right, like, yeah. you want to hang out with me four times a week, bless your heart, that's yep. <laughs> That's an option as well, you know, to each their own, I'm going to say. Right. So let's go. Any final words on that topic? Any last thing you want to get to say before we move on to our tips and tricks? Yeah. Let me just mention on advocating for devices really quick. Um, I had posted on Instagram a little while ago a stack of iPads that, you know, anyone scrolling through Instagram would be like, wow, a stack of iPads. That must be nice that your district just buys stuff for you all the time. Right. Um, but like that was a two to three year battle. <laughs> and then, you know, I put in a purchase order request in June that doesn't get fulfilled until October or November. And then you got to wait on tech. Like there's always something. And so just advocate for your students, make sure you know what resources are available for loaner devices in your area. Like if you know, there's a student that should be on a system, get them a loaner in the meantime, while you continue to push at your school, because it's kind of a law. I think people forget that, especially administration when money's involved. Um, but they can't not provide a device for a student after you determine that's what's best for the student. And right. so it's another fear thing. You know, I get scared sometimes that I'm being too pushy or that my special ed director is going to fire me because, like, Emily's asking for something again. Right. Um, but when you know better, you do better. And you just have to advocate for that. That's great. Yeah, that's I, I like that. That's true. That's you got to add, and you also have to have faith in yourself and, like, know that you um, are, you're making the right decision. So, like, I feel like, I feel like I always bring everything back to comedy, but lots of comedians are like, how am I supposed to promote something that I'm, like, self-conscious of, you know? Like, uh, how, right, and I think yeah. that's how, like, some, like, my friend Chloe, she was like, I have this roast battle, I keep wanting to promote it, but, like, there's, like, three things I hate out of the whole thing. And I'm like, complete better than perfect. Just throw it out there. Stop fixating yeah. on like what you're not sure of. And I feel like that's kind of what gets in the way of everyone. Like, you're like, how am I going to be this giant advocate if I'm not even positive? Right. Yeah. But also, I also think, um, like you were saying before, you know, when it's always, when you always come back to my intentions are there, I'm doing the best for the kids. Then I think that reminds you like, okay, I'm not doing this to be annoying. I'm not doing this to be bossy. Exactly. Because I know it's going to help the student. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But at least I had those good intentions. Yeah, exactly. Totally agree They have good intentions. They want people to laugh and have fun. Yeah. No? (laughs) Comedy or no? Well, they want to make money too. So anyway. Yeah. I feel like most comedians want people to laugh at them like at their stuff like and they don't care if they have fun they should just be like yeah it's funny well if you're laughing you're having fun <laughs> right yeah so laughing equals fun yeah they want everyone to enjoy the show for right. sure yeah so tips or tricks so who wants to go first should we let emily go first yeah, so my my biggest tip and trick is a shout out to SLP Toolkit because oh. they make my caseload management documentation, data collection, 
progress monitoring, like everything a breeze. Like I don't have to think about any of that and I don't have to create any type of system to track it. Like I just, it's just there and it's awesome. So yeah. that's probably my biggest tip and time saver. I love yes. SLP toolkit too. I have right. it and yes. uh, it saves my life. I, um, I've never been more on top of paperwork until I got there. Yeah. Um, you yes. have a tip? No, you can go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, I was inspired by this episode, so my tip or trick is to use more core words, and I was going to suggest, I like that you did in and out together, so I would suggest if you're using core words to try to use two words that make sense to go together, so yeah. I feel like I talk about this a lot on the show, but it's also because I get a lot of questions about it of yes and no, so I feel like my tip or trick is if you want to teach yes, you should also pair it with no. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so if you're working on yes and no, don't only do one or the other. Try to incorporate both. And my tip or trick is to never underestimate the power of the Sharpie. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say shark. Oh, no. I was like, <laughs> that's right now. Yeah. I got scared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I, like the majority of my speech therapy materials are like just printer paper and Sharpies and just like what comes to mind. And it's like, you could just do anything like draw your favorite animal or create a new animal. Like you could just write that and then draw a bubble and then everybody, you know, it's, it's good for conversation and then written expressive language skills. So, um, you don't need to buy everything under the sun, but you do yeah. need Sharpies. Good. And OT. Good <laughs> Right. So writing. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Okay. And for our last, uh, we're going to end with a quote and we're going to have our lovely shark guest <laughs> end <ending>. Emily. Emily. <laughs> <laughs> Her wrestling name. <laughs> so my, shark, like. <laughs> my favorite quote has to do with AAC, of course. Um, and I'm probably paraphrasing someone else's quote because you know nothing's new these days it's 2019 um, but the best time to start AAC is in early intervention but the second best time is now oh right. love it love that that's, that's very a good, good one yeah start it now yes I'm getting more and more into um, just utilizing visuals <laughs> in speech I think it's starting now any... with me too much <laughs> yes. And Asha, anytime I talked, Deborah was like, she just really likes visuals. She really does. <laughs> yeah. That's great. AC is That's right. All right. So on that note, this has been episode 31 of SLP's Wine and Cheese. I'm Deb. And I'm Maria. And Emily, tell everyone bye. Bye, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. Bye. Good night. Okay. So, ciao. Adios. <laughs>